the R9 fringe, Pizzagate, the special one, and so much more. Welcome to Naughty Footy, a celebration of our favourite decade of football. Welcome to episode 17 of the Naughty Footy Podcast. Yeah. Damn it. It's a pleasure you even know. Come on. 17. So I've delegated today's puns duties to Mr. Darnell. So go on. Yeah, I think given the, the topic today, um, I just wanted to remind everyone that football's about honesty, loyalty and devotion, which is why it's easy to feel attacked when a double crosser fails to defend your honour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was all right, you know. That was actually all right. I don't know are if that you, was, were you giving it. Mm. That was a warm up one. It that took me like two minutes to work. <laughs> that was, that's your first one as well. That's like a. I'll give that. You know, that's like a debut goal, but a debut goal against like San Marino. It wasn't like a debut goal against. Yeah, Madrid, yeah, San that's, Marino. That's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me up it a bit. Uh, not San Marino because they're literally the worst team. Sheffield United this season. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll give that. I'll give that six point five. Sorry, I'll take that. Lee? Uh, that's, I was gonna, I was gonna say, yeah, six and a half, yeah. You've, you've, you've gone safe. You've gone like run of the mill, just straight out footy. Yep. But like, it's a good pun. <laughs> a little chuckle about it. So, so yeah, uh, we, we, we'll watch your career with interest in, in the pun. <laughs> <laughs> What's the man them saying anyway? How you lot been? Yeah, all right, all right. Do you know what I noticed? Yeah, if people were listening to this pod in twenty years, it's like a throwback to the start and what you think they're gonna think we're the most boring guys because every I time know, we, go, yeah, we have nothing to say same, <laughs> you know work nothing so maybe this will become like and frank's diary like it'll just be like <laughs> big <laughs> well, in terms of <laughs> just a diary of how people behave during a pandemic yeah maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe. maybe. Could be, obviously yeah. slightly different circumstances but you know how we do <laughs> anyways the end the end is near apparently it's nearly June the twenty. Is it June twenty first, twenty second? That's what they say. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. back to normal date. Apparently, back Shoot. to normal. Not that I believe it. Nah, I don't believe it. But I think I think. So what's the next big date? Is that April the twelfth? I don't know. You know, I haven't even been following it. Well, don't know. March two. What are we now? The twenty seventh, twenty sixth, twenty ninth. You're uh, allowed to kick ball again. That's good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Rule of six, so you can like. Because the sun's coming out now, which is making me feel so much Jeez. better. Do you know what I mean? Park summer, sessions. Summertime, yeah, park little, sessions, little park sessions. That uh, was actually lit last year, to be honest. I'm saying, yeah. So your birthday coming up. Is what? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, your so birthday coming, coming up. Coming soon, coming soon, next week. Hey, you Good said memory. remind me because... I was going <laughs> to say, you need to remind me, but I, I, I don't know how you remembered that. <laughs> All right, on to the topic at hand. So controversial transfers that took place during the noughties. So we're going to do this in chronological order. We've all picked three each. We were supposed to have a guest today. He goes by the name of Greg Francini. (laughs) (laughs) He had some excuse why he couldn't make it. I can't remember what it was, but yeah, shout him out. He's bottled it. He's bottled it, basically. Yeah, he's bottled it. He let us down like Figo did Barcelona. That leads us very nicely onto our first controversial transfer. Indeed. (laughs) Yeah, so Figo... That's smooth, you know. That's why, that's why the ones get the things. Balls <laughs> 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 <was> for days. <laughs> yeah, so uh, 2000, it's the summer, and Real Madrid's presidential elections are coming up. 
and ahead of the presidential elections, this uh, candidate, Florentino Perez, comes out of nowhere with all these massive promises. The person that was already in was uh, Lorenzo Sanz. Mm. I think he'd been there for about five years and uh, he oversaw the sort of the end of Real Madrid's 32-year Champions League drought, which is obviously massive for them because... Fucking hell. I didn't even deep it. It was that long. Yeah, it was that long because I think they won the first six and then I'm not sure they won one again after that. And... Um, so yeah, he's he was very successful. He was expected to win the presidential election. But obviously Perez is coming in with mad statements. He's saying, yeah, I'm going to take Luis Figo from Barcelona. And you're thinking, raw like massive rivals like that. How can you make a statement like that? But supposedly the proposition was made to, to Figo to that basically 1.6 million will be paid up front for, a, for signing a contract. Cash um, money. Cash money, <laughs> just straight, like 1.6 mil. And Figo actually got to keep the money even if Perez didn't win the election. So I guess you can kind of, Figo's kind of seen it as free money because he's thinking like Perez isn't going to win this election yeah, kind of yeah. thing. But then <laughs> F- but then the, the other side to it is that Figo would have to pay 19 million if he refused to join after signing this contract with, with, with Florentino Perez. And uh, another promise that Perez made was that if he didn't get Figo, he would pay for everyone's, all Real Madrid members to attend games for free that, that season. So that's about 80,000 people. Mm. <laughs> He's confident. So he was He's saying confident. mad stuff. Yeah. And then um, six, I think 16th of July, 2000, he's essentially won the, won the presidential election. And, and by the 24th of July, Figo was a Real Madrid player. And yeah, it just obviously like no one could believe what happened. But I think Figo actually tried to get out of it. He was... Um, mm. Apparently, what what he did is that he went to Real Madrid to say, sorry, he went to Barcelona to to join um, Gasparta, Gasparta, Gaspar, sorry, Joan Gaspar, to say, <clears throat> like, essentially, can you pay this nineteen million so that I don't have to go? <laughs> yeah. And he's saying, I'm not giving, I'm not giving Real Madrid no nineteen million. Like, what what you want? Like, what are you smoking? Kind of thing. And and he actually came out in uh, fairly recently to say, I, I couldn't do it. I'm the new president of Barcelona, and I pay for Real Madrid's fans to watch them every week, I would die. <laughs> That's <laughs> what he said. And, um, <clears throat> Wait, was, was, was there a transfer fee involved? No, so this the, it, ba- it, it basically was a release clause. So uh, Figo's release clause was 38 million, I think, 30, mm. 38 million pounds, a lot more in euros at the time because obviously the exchange rate was, was a, a lot different mm. back then. And um, yeah, so, so, <laughs> so Figo tried to like almost stay yeah. Realised that he couldn't, and then he's he's had to just cut through with it. Yeah. So what do we do? So do we think he just wanted a quick little one point six mil? Yeah, I think that's what it and was. And then just before he knew it, the it caught momentum. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think. Yeah, he, I think he probably thought there's no losers in the situation because no matter what, if he goes to Real Madrid, he's still gonna earn a shitload of money. If he stays, he earns the, he, he, like he keeps the one point six million. But I'm not sure that he really considered that nineteen million like that he would have had to pay yeah. Barcelona to, to Real Madrid, sorry, to not go. Um, yeah, it was it was mad. So I think even um, Gaspar said, I offered him all the legal guarantees uh, that we were going to fight it because essentially he was saying that it was illegal. But he wanted a guarantee from La Caixa, uh, the bank basically, <laughs> and said it was midnight and I'd just been elected president and I had that to deal with. There was no chance I could agree because of the lack of time and what he was asking for, I couldn't give in to his request. 
essentially he wanted to guarantee that he wasn't going to lose that 19 million Figo. And obviously Barcelona said, nah, like you either go or you stay. Yeah. But you're going to have to pay the 19 million if you stay. That's mad. Because we'll, we'll come to talk about it a bit later on the some of the other transfers we talk about, about tapping up and what you're allowed to say to players you know, mm. while they're under contract. But it's actually crazy that you've got a bar, that you've got a Real Madrid presidential candidate who's been allowed to not only approach uh, a rival's player, but draw up legal contracts while he's still um, employed by Barcelona and things that are binding based on his decision. It's kind of crazy they're able to do that and get away with it. I know. And Figo's kind of deflected it a bit. He's kind of said, oh, it's my agent, it's my agent. But come on man like your agent's not going to do this without yeah. you knowing and who was the money going to go to it wasn't just going to go to your agent was it it was going it was going to go real. to you as well so and yeah he, he went on to be fairly successful at Real Madrid you would expect him to be probably a bit more successful but he uh he won the Champions League he won the 2000 Ballon d'Or and the 2001 FIFA World Player of the Year award yeah. um not bad then <laughs> yeah it's not bad but you know you know like Real Madrid you expect a few league titles I think that Galacticos era like you know when he must have won the league at Real Madrid I don't think he did you know I'm not sure that he did because what was it like Valencia won won a couple of league titles around there I think Deportivo yeah. might have won one yeah. and yeah so I think how many league titles did Beckham actually win in Spain I swear it, was, it might have been just the one and I think it was there. one 2007 <clears> I think <throat> by then I think Figo had gone so yeah. yeah, maybe he did win a, a league title. Figo, I, I can't really remember to be honest. But yeah, it's mad. And then, and obviously, the final part of this is like one of the derbies. A couple of years later, we've obviously discussed it on a on a previous pod. I want to hear it again. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is, so he, the mad Figo's, of a Figo's rocked up to the new camp two years later, and they've obviously played each other a, a few times before. But for some reason, this one was just extra raucous. The fans are throwing all kinds of stuff on the pitch, and obviously, Figo's taking corners and that. <laughs> and then, I think just tells Zidane to take the corners do you yeah, know what I mean yeah I know just, like, just, 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 just hang back on the edge on of the, the pitch box. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, Roberto you, Carlos anyone yeah. and then yeah a pig's head just lands right next to Figo and as Louis said like what is the process that has to go through this Man, <laughs> man's gonna go to the butchers and be like yeah I'll have a I'll have a steak I'll have a, I'll have a pig's head and, do you know what I mean what, what was he doing the like, steps involved it's mad <laughs> it's bad it's fun. There's, a, there's another story from the the decade before the noughties, so the 90s. Um, and I think this when, when Andy Cole went to Man United from Newcastle, obviously Newcastle were challenging for the league then, so it was a much mm. bigger deal than it would be now. When United first played Newcastle after that move, Andy Cole refused to play. Refused to play? Yeah, he just said he, he, didn't, he didn't want to play. Out of respect for Newcastle. It seems mad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I'm that's surprised crazy. Fergie even let that happen. Yeah, I, I'm surprised as well. That just seems mad. You couldn't get away with that. Now. Yeah, I think sometimes. It, but on the other hand, sometimes you got a diffused situation. I remember. I know we're going a bit tangential. Yeah, I remember when when Torres signed mm. and the fir his first game for Chelsea was against Liverpool. I say he got benched. And then Ancelotti just chucked him straight in and he just got, he was getting kicked all over the place by Carragher. The, the fans were on him. Mm. And you just think sometimes take the player out of that situation mm. and, and maybe don't put them under that kind of pressure because especially for a forward as well. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. We digress. Okay. On to the next controversial transfer. So we're staying in continental Europe and there was a very special Italian player um, he was in the headlines today, actually, because he's not been doing particularly well um, in his time in management at Juventus. And there's been some suggestions that he might leave, um, but apparently not. But anyways, he was a big deal in the early 90s as a young player. 
Made his debut at only 16 years old uh, for Brescia. I hope I'm doing that pronunciation right. He joined Inter Milan at only 19 years old. Um, again, so seen as a massive big prospect. And I think he won like the under-21 Euros or, or something along the under-19s, one of them. But his time at Inter wasn't particularly good. Like he was sent out on loan. And then I think Lippi was there for a while. Um, and then, well, Lippi was there for actually a season or two. And then Lippi left. And I think Lippi quite rated him. And Lippi's um, replacement didn't and deemed him surplus to requirements. So oddly, of all the clubs he moved to, Ancelotti was at AC Milan. And Ancelotti quite liked the look of him. So Ancelotti bought him. And at the time, because he was, although initially he was seen as this big prospect, um, he wasn't rated by Inter Milan at all. And I think over his time there, he like people's ratings of him basically went down. Um, so he got sold to AC Milan. And th- I think the most, con- obviously I went there in, at the time, but from what I'm reading, the most controversial bit about it at the time was the fact that it involved a series of swaps with Inter Milan. So I think it was like Inter got two or three players and AC got two or three players. It was proper weird. Like just, I, I can't even imagine Arsenal and Tottenham just swapping like three players. Just so say, Mike, yeah. I got three of these. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's, like, it's like when you're doing like, <laughs> yeah. The the football stickers at school. Yeah, I got shiny Henri, so I swapped that for like two Roonies and with that a three way and a two way sort of thing. And and just to obviously, I don't want to say too much about Italy's reputation when it comes to dodgy deals and all that kind of bollocks. <laughs> but apparently, it was to create that they did the deals to create false profits in both the clubs. Don't know why. I don't know if there was any. There's like a light form of FFP in 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 Italy at that time. But yeah, so Perlo went to AC Milan. Um, played under Ancelotti, obviously became one of the best midfielders of all time, and yeah, it's regrettable for Inter Milan. It's weird though because I think in Italy that happens quite a lot. Yeah, because Inter went Milan, to Milan, AC Milan, <laughs> like you got um, you got loads. Ronaldo's done it. Zlatan, Zlatan's done it. Sometimes not directly, but yeah. it's it's ended up happening. Yeah, uh, for so. me that's crazy. I mean, if you There's think about, about imagine players doing that in England, playing for you know, three of the top clubs. And I think I think some of them probably have won titles at all three clubs. Just just to do that, kind of... Yeah, it's weird. Vieri did it as well. Mm. Like, yeah. it's, it's crazy. And he went straight mm. after having issues at Inter. He just he just went to AC Milan. Like, it's, it's just Crespo madness. as well. Oh, Crespo, Crespo yeah. 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 But it's, it's probably loads more. Like, people yeah, listen to shouting loads. <laughs> yeah. And then quite a few left Juve, or a few left Juve when they went down, innit? In the after the match fixing scandal, yeah, yeah. Vieira. Vieira. Well, yeah, that's yeah, how I was, I was thinking about Vieira. Vieira. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Mercenaries, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> um, so that happened in the summer of 2001. But back to our shores, there was another big transfer that happened in the summer of 2001 that that, that created oh, shockwaves I, in I, North London. I enjoy this one very, <laughs> very, very much. So, I, first, I'm actually going to spin it back to sort of January 2001. and yeah. Sky Sports do an interview with Sol Campbell after a game. <laughs> and they said, um, so Sol, um, will you be staying at the club? And he scratches his chin, has all the body language of someone that's lying, <laughs> and goes, I'm staying. What, what do you think was going through his mind when he did that? Do you think, I think was for it the deliberate or was it just like... I think you got to watch this to just to see the look on his face <laughs> and just the smirk at the side <laughs> of his mouth. Oh, it's beautiful, it's but, beautiful. But because of what Sol is like, like from his public appearances since then, I can't tell whether he's done it deliberately, as you said, for the listeners, no, or whether you, he's got the world's worst poker face. I, I, do you know? I'll get to that because I think essentially mm. um, there's a lot that kind of transpires to to, to to 
that will probably explain the situation a little bit more. Right. But before before I do that again, I'm I'm actually gonna go to to um, the eighth of April two thousand and one FA Cup semi final. Arsenal play Spurs. Yeah. Yeah. Campbell's had like a, a long run of injuries, mm. and like they just patched him up, probably giving him injections and whatnot. And they were like, "Yep, yeah, we want to get this guy fit so he can play against Arsenal. Let's try and get to the FA Cup final, kind of kind of thing." So anyway, Campbell fouls Ray Parler. Ray Parler, as he's fouled, lands on Campbell and ends up injuring him. Campbell's off the pitch now. He, he gets booked, ends up going off the pitch. Arsenal score from the resulting free kick. <laughs> Arsenal go on to win the game 2-1. Yeah. And that is the last thing that Campbell ever did in a Tottenham shirt. <laughs> okay. So this story, this story yeah, just yeah, yeah. Like, works so favourably to Arsenal. The reasons for him leaving. So I think in 1998, there was a case of uh, GBH, supposedly, um, after a game against Derby. I can't remember who who the other player was that was involved. Mm. And the club basically didn't really support him. They just asked him to sort of get his own lawyers and, and sort out the matter himself. So he was a bit disappointed about that. Yeah. And so then basically, this, was, this, this leave was a long-held yeah, grudge against Spurs. It was, it was a long-held <laughs> grudge. And then in 99, uh, players' wage, wages were leaked. And supposedly, Spurs had told Campbell that you're one of the highest-paid players at the club. Apparently, it wasn't true. So he, he's seen his... He's seen like the whole pecking order of all of the <laughs> all of the wages, and he's realised that his thirteen and a half grand a week is just nowhere near the top. So at this point, I think what he's done, he's basically saying that I'm leaving the club on the Bosman, and obviously the Bosman ruling was quite recent. I think it, it was what ninety five, ninety six, something Some around are, yeah, around yeah, that yeah, time. And Spurs actually rejected an eighteen million pound offer from Man United in two thousand. Mm. So big bucks in them days. Big, big, big money, you know. I mean, he he would have been the most expensive defender ever at that point. Y- right? Yeah, one, one off, definitely. <coughs> and um, <coughs> the Spurs chairman had seen that. Uh, th- basically, said that he's he, like he wouldn't have accepted it anyway. He wanted to leave on a Bosman because he knows that how much money he can make from from signing uh, a fee. Yeah. There was just a few like rumblings that you know this might happen. You know, um, uh, Campbell might come over to Arsenal. This, that, and the other. And supposedly he had a meeting with uh, David Dean at his crib, like in some, apparently David Dean's got, sits on acres or something. Like, so he had, yeah. had him in the garden somewhere, just hidden away. Arsene Wenger sort of walking through the woodlands, like just, just <laughs> peeking his head out. Just well, a, mad, a mad discreet thing, like three o'clock in the morning kind of thing. And then they just sort of like discussed the plan, the future, this, that and the other. And, and I think the backdrop to this is quite important because Arsenal had gone uh, three seasons without winning anything. We were losing some of our best players, like Overmars, Enelka, et cetera, et cetera, Petit. Yeah. And so obviously they must have sold him a mad story to say, look, we are coming up. And, and, and obviously we, Arsenal did. Um, so anyway, on, on the 3rd of July, Arsene Wenger's walking out and the press are there, but there's not that many there. There's, there's just a few. And then he walks out with Sol Campbell. Like everyone's expecting Richard Wright to be announced, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and it's mad. So obviously they're talking about it, like just saying. And that, was that the announcement? So no one knew for sure. No one was certain. People, there was rumblings. There was rumblings like, oh, this might be Campbell, you know. But no one really knew that that this was going to happen. And David Dean actually said that <laughs> he, um, he he gave Spurs a courtesy call just to let them know what happened. And he said, I always had a warm. Re- uh, I always enjoyed a warm relationship with the Spurs directors going back as far as Irving Scholar, who had represented Spurs when we famously founded the Premier League. 
Alan Sugar and I got on very well and subsequently I had a good relationship with Levy. And to their credit, despite being annoyed, they were very gracious when I told him what was happening with Sol. So anyway, Sol Campbell's now earning 140k at Arsenal. He's probably going to oversee some of Arsenal's, well, Arsenal's best period in, in recent history. First season, wins the double, FA Cup, Premier League, wins the league at Old Trafford, beats Chelsea in the final. Just had to get, add that in there with the FA Cup. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, goes on to win the FA Cup the following season, the league the following season, FA Cup the following season. So it's just mad successful. Like, it was just a, an unbelievably good period. And, and funny enough, I was watching... Um, some Sky Sports thing um, about it and they'd asked a few Spurs fans about, about it and he, and one Spurs fan was like, he's joined Arsenal when they're on a downward curve. All their best players are leaving and he's going to miss out on the revolution at Tottenham. <laughs> it's, it's 2021 and we're still fucking waiting. This, revolu- this revolution <laughs> of Spurs is being, is being coming. To, it's, honestly. I don't, I, I'm ne- I don't, People that know me know like I hate Spurs, but I'm always I look beyond Spurs. I'm always looking at who's top of the league, and that's usually where my biggest hatred lies. So it's not like I hate Spurs and a massive thing. Like even though I do, but my point is, I don't. I never get the hype train about Tottenham. I'm not just saying that from a place of hate. Like, I, I, I find it weird it. that they get called a big club. I, that's that's the one that really. I don't. Gets I don't. But I saw. I saw. As you know, I saw something without getting to a massive Spurs bashing session. Yeah, <laughs> I saw something the other day. Yeah, saying, "Ah, oh, is it time to?" to drop Arsenal out of the top six and replace them with Leicester. Listen, don't get me wrong. I enjoy ridiculous. seeing the, the downfall of Gunas as much as the next guy, yeah? But how, how have Tottenham just strutted in there, yeah? No trophies since 2008. And that was a, that was a League Cup, right? No, no nothing. They threaten. They, they, they have a third of a good season every now and then. And all mm. of a sudden, they're the best thing since sliced bread. I don't know how people keep falling for it. I don't get it's it. It's Tottenham. I don't get it. And then it's on, Tottenham. And on top of that, Arsenal have finished in the top six more than every single club in, 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 the, in the whole 92 like Football League and Premier League. Do you know what mm. I mean? So... I, I don't I don't understand why they want to drop us out, but I always say that there's a Spurs bias in the media, but without going into that. Spurs and Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, Spurs <laughs> and Liverpool. But yeah, anyway, the, the the derby comes and it's like it's November time, two thousand and one, and the bus is absolutely like just getting pelters like left, right and centre. And um yeah, it was a bit of a raucous derby. Pires um puts Arsenal one nil in front with like ten minutes to go in and Spurs equalise and at the end all their fans sort of uh, celebrate kind of but win. they treat it as a win but like I think for them it was more a relief that Campbell didn't come and, and win the first game back but then a couple of years later obviously he won the league at, at White Hart Lane so I guess we all know who had the last laugh <laughs> we won the league <laughs> Shy Hart Lane alright cool cheers Don um, I enjoyed that a lot <laughs> I bet you did bet so you did. next on my list it is 2004 and somebody makes a big move to Manchester United from a Yorkshire club. Yeah, yeah. so right, we're talking about Alan Smith, who's a bit of a maverick in any case. Very good footballer, very much a whitehead. He was always getting sent off. Uh, he was always in sort of arguments and bifters. And actually, before I did my research on this, yeah, all I knew was Alan Smith, who is Leeds, Yorkshire, born and raised, Leeds Academy player came through, um, won their player of the season a few times, played for them in the Champions League, you know, uh, said I'll never ever in my life play for Man United, kiss the oh, badge. On that, why, why do players do that? Like, well, why do they do that to themselves? They're just setting you're set, you're setting yourself up. Yeah, Any, anyway, so I'm, I'm hearing all this and he, and he said I'll never play for Man United and he ended up doing it. And mm. I thought this guy is a wanker, right? Yeah. Since I've done my research, I'll completely flip my views on it. So, Why? so I'll, I'll, I'll talk you through it. I'll talk you through it. But I think 
Um, in in a way, because the, the the hierarchy at Leeds just really fucked everything up financially, and I think actually the seven million pound transfer fee that Leeds got for Adam Smith got him out of a bit of a hole, really. And mm. I think he maybe was <laughs> victims maybe a bit strong, but but was not. You know, he wasn't the orchestrator of the of this deal. So I'll talk, I'll talk you through it a bit. Um, so, as I said, the guy's come through Leeds, uh, you know, academy, born and bred. Um, he comes on, has a fairy tale start, scores in his debut against Liverpool. Um, he's played for Leeds in the semi-finals of the Champions League. He's played alongside ballers like Harry Kuehl, Mark Viduka, Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank. You know, Le- Leeds were a decent outfit. You know, I-, I don't like all the talking about media biases. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> chatting about Bielsa and his band of merry men. You know, the genius guy <laughs> take- leading them to 12th in the Premier League and getting third best coach of the year, right? But back in the Dizzy, yeah, Leeds were a decent little side even though they eventually get relegated in, in 2004. Um, as I said, he wasn't, he wasn't a stranger to controversy. He got, I think he got sent off eight, eight times in his, in his, in his Leeds career. Um, and probably his most controversial incident was, um, was in a league game, league cup game, funnily enough against Man United, where, where a bottle gets thrown from the crowd and he just, he just chucks it straight back in the crowd. Um, which, Did he get sent off for that? He didn't get sent off, but he got reprimanded by the FA after because the know. bottle like hit a woman and all this and all this stuff. So <laughs> he, he, yeah, yeah, I know it's quite bad. He wasn't a stranger to controversy, right? So, um, but he 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 really clearly cared about the club, um, loved the club, and, and and left it all in the pitch for them. And there's famous images really of him after they get relegated in 2004. Uh, he's in tears and he's kissing he's kissing the Leeds United badge, you know, obviously gutted that his boy a club um are getting relegated and, and, and at some point in in all of this he said that he'll he'll never go to Man United. So this is the situation, right? Leeds have just financially completely fucked it all, right? In, in simple terms. Yeah. They're, they're, they're on the brink of going into administration. They spent all this Champions League money. It's all kind of just gone out the window. You know, in, in the days before Oli Gox and Oil Shakes, yeah, they've just spent beyond their means, right? They're, they're, they're getting the Wonga loans in, you know, they're, 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 li- <laughs> they're living paycheck to paycheck and they've just got relegated. So things aren't looking good, right? They now are thinking we need to ship out some of our, our players to recoup some of this money. And trying to think of the way which order to tell this story is the long and the short of it is Alan Smith ends up going to Man United for seven million pounds which is a massive uh which is a massive move Man United and Leeds United are obviously big rivals um and on the faces of it you're looking and going this guy's just snaked him he's got him relegated um and, he, and, he's, and he's and he's gone off to, 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 to United but if you look at some of the things that have come out after um, and, and and just just on that, the, the fans who were once voted in Player of the Year are calling them Judas. They've got they've got they've got banners that that are sort of slated, and they're really out for this guy. But this is where my feelings are kind of turned on it. So you have got people like Peter Lorimer, who's a Leeds United legend, um, heavily involved in the club, who said that um, this move was actually engineered by by Leeds. So Everton and Newcastle were both in for the player as well were offering similar fees, but apparently Man United were the only team who said, we'll give you that seven mil up front. Everton and Newcastle are saying they're going to do a sort of uh, installments, you know, which is now famous. Arsenal love that sort of shit these days. But, but they, you know. So and does every, every other every club. club. Yeah, <laughs> but, but Leeds are saying, we need this now. We need this money. We are skin, yeah, right? Yeah. So um, they've apparently really heavily f- pushed Alan Smith to this going, look, we can't afford, we can't afford, we're not going to pay you in the championship. We're not going to pay you wages. 
we're being offered seven million. We're in financial difficulty. We need this money now. Man United are offering it. You you've kind of got to go. Um, and if you look at the detail of it, you know, Smith waived the personal fee that the club owed him um, at the time, given they're in financial stress. And so, were fans aware of? Are fans aware of this? This 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 has all come out um, in the wash afterwards. But at the time, Leeds have looked at it, going, "This is a player who said <laughs> he would never go." Leeds and Man United is a big rivalry saying he'll never go and play for them. And they've maybe looked at it kind of from, from an emotional sense. The club's got relegated and he's not stuck by them and he's gone and joined a big rival. But when you kind of break it down, the, 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 the club, they're offered seven, they're in administration. You know, yeah. take any business in administration, you can get rid of one of your assets for seven million quid. You're probably going to do it. So, so I actually, yeah, I feel a bit sorry for him in that probably what he's done um, has helped the club out a little bit because they were they were on the brink really. So it's like, what's what's that Batman, the hero, the hero they 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 deserve, but not the one they want right now or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, fair play to Alan Smith. You know, he he gave everything for Leeds while he was at that club. Wasn't a massive success at United. He, he was Pers- personally. I, I know he may have won a few trophies and that, but yeah, and, and he, they moved his position, didn't he? he yeah, he was very much, play, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. he was a versatility man. He but he, he was he was massively rated. You know, Roy Keane. Um, apparently said to Fergie that this was the guy to sort of fill my boots after I've gone. So maybe you saw him kicking a few people, chucking bottles at people. <laughs> but yeah, this, say, this yeah. guy is really built in the ilk, but he was rated a lot. But yeah, he's yeah. moved about, you know, played as a forward, played as a, as a midfielder. So do you know one thing I always remember about Alan Smith is that John Onorisa took a free kick or, or, or a shot and, and he's blasted it, yeah. And I think he ended up breaking Alan Smith's leg. Uh, do you remember yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and he was really injury prone at United generally. Yeah. But yeah, I do remember that. And he, yeah, he had a lot of injuries, and I think he kind of just missed that era of success, that oh six oh seven onwards. Yeah, because I think he'd gone bad then, or, or I, 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 I don't I really remember him in that team at all, if I'm no. being perfectly honest. And another thing I remember as well is you know in oh three when they stayed up, all the fans are like lifting him up, this, that, and the other. And on Premier League years, they show that bit, and then Georgie Thompson just goes, "Little did they know where <laughs> he was going the following year." Yeah. <laughs> Premier League is so good. It's so lit. Cool. Cheers for that. That was nice. Um, wouldn't stay with you, Louis, because now we're going to like break the mould a little bit because obviously we're rebels and that. And although we're doing controversial transfers and this mainly applies to players, we've given you the benefit of the doubt. And we're going to talk about something else, or a non-playing member of staff of a team. We are. I'm going to talk about Harry Redknapp. So I've broken Harry. the rules a little bit. Harry. The reason, wait, the reason I've put you here is because obviously you had a few moves. Um, but at this point in time, this is when he rejoined one of the clubs you're going to talk about. Yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to break the rules almost kind of twice because uh, I'm going to talk about a manager rather than a player. I'm going to talk about two moves. But Harry Harry Redknapp, he went from Portsmouth to Southampton and back to Portsmouth <laughs> again. So that's in a row. Yeah, 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 and pretty much with not much gap in between it. So that, that's controversial as it comes, really. So Uncle Larry. We, we don't call him a wheeler dealer. Um, <laughs> he, so he's just he's come off the back of he's had seven years at West Ham, you know, in a kind of almost golden era for that club. You know, brought through the likes of Carrick, Joe Cole, Rio, Lampard, played with Decanio, them kind of guys, um, and he ends up getting sacked at West Ham for being too candid with the fanzine about the structure of the club. Right? Um, he goes into Portsmouth as director of football, and. Yeah, I think I think this is in 2002. So I I think really in the early days of that kind of structure within a football club. Uh, but he was yeah, he, he was he was director of football for for a little while. Um and but then um they've had a few manager 
managerial difficulties, uh, difficulties on the pitch, and he becomes manager in in um, uh, in two thousand and two. He he wins Division One at the time, so that so the the second tier obviously of English football. Um, he gets promoted as West Ham get relegated, so that's a little bit of like sweet justice for him. Um, he keeps him he keeps him up in the Premier League in two thousand and four. Uh, bit of a bit of a sort of great escape from from Portsmouth, which you could maybe go into it at, at, at another time. Um, but he's you know he's doing really well at Portsmouth in general. Um, you know he's making those 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 good transfers. He's sort of instilling a sort of style of playing them. And he's, uh, he's, he's getting him to play a little bit of football. Um, but all of a sudden, um, Milan Mandaric, who's, he's, you know, owned more football clubs than, than I've owned mobile phones, which is a bit of mad when you think about it, yeah. But he, 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 he starts making a bit strange appointments in terms of bringing in more other directors of football and changing the structure of the club, getting a bit more involved in, in Harry's backroom staff. Um and Harry gets the right up, basically. You know, everything's going good on the pitch. Portsmouth are playing all right, but he falls out with the ownership um, and he ends up resigning uh, from Portsmouth, which was which was one thing. But then a few weeks later, he ends up rocking up at Southampton, which is just an absolute... Like, obviously, that's the biggest derby you can get if you're in, in, in those parts. And yeah. Pompey fans start coming to games, not even like... Southampton derby games, just normal games with T-shirts saying "scummer" and, <laughs> and, and Judas and uh, and what oh, is it, Rot, rot in hell." Yeah, and you got to think right. You know when you see grown men with like with with shirts on their back, like wearing players' names, you think, "How much? You're a grown man. You 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 love another man. You got his name on your back." I think, <laughs> "How much as a grown man have you got to hate someone to go and get their name printed and just say, you know, fuck this guy, rot in hell. You're Judas, right?'" So they were they were on smoke. They were fuming with Harry Redknapp. Um, so he's he's at Portsmouth. He's obviously sorry. He's at Southampton now. He's hated by the Portsmouth fans. Uh, he's tasked with keeping him up, but. It just it all goes tits up at this point um, at Southampton. It's not a, it's not a happy marriage right off right from the off, and they get relegated after twenty seven consecutive seasons in the top flight. Um, he stays on initially for the championship season, um, but but results aren't going well, and 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 the, the Southampton chairman at the time, Rupert Law, uh, brings in Clive Woodward, who's oh, the, yeah, who's who's yeah, the yeah it. successful England. Rugby, but he did not as manager. manager. He brings him in as some sort of d- director, is, or whatever. Yeah, 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 and yeah. like, to be fair to Harry at this point, I don't care what this guy's done in the rugby world, <laughs> right? I am, I am raging if yeah. you've got somebody involved and, and who's gone. I'm like, ah, oh, I've done it. I've, I've rugby completed it, mate. You know what I mean? I love, I love a dabble in football, and he, he's, yeah, he's come few, like Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, you, baseball and that. You can't. Yeah, you can't. You can't move. <laughs> right. So Harry, Harry's fuming. Harry's fuming, Clive's in there. He ends up falling out with uh, with with the, with the chairman of Southampton, um, and he quits in two thousand and five. And again, it's come out in the wash later down the line. But apparently, he tells he tells Rupert Lowe that Portsmouth is his spiritual home at this time. So he's obviously having regrets. You know what I mean? He's got he's got yeah. out, he's got out of that relationship. Yeah, he's had the little rebound and then them ones, them ones. Yeah, <laughs> and then he's and, he, and then he's going back home. He's going back home. So he returns to Pompey. Um, I think a week or so after he after he leaves Southampton, um, and they are in or they're thereabouts in the relegation zone. Um, the club get taken over. He gets a bit of money in January. He gets to do a bit more wheeling, wheeling dealing, even though he wouldn't like me saying that. <laughs> um, and he manages he manages to keep him up. 
Um, and he, and he, you know, he, he wants to win back the hearts of the Pompey fans. He, he, he turns down the Newcastle job, which apparently is, is quite a prestigious job. So after Big Sam got sacked, they tried to bring him there, but he says, "Nah, I owe it to Pompey to see the job through." Um, and this story's actually got quite a happy ending, I guess, for for Judas's and betrayers, if that's what we're calling this this episode. Um, he, he ends up winning the FA Cup in two thousand and eight for Portsmouth after many, many years without a major trophy and probably many, many, many years till they win another one. Um, and he ends up being given the freedom of the city of Portsmouth uh, for, for what he did in the club in his second spell. So Sounds exciting. So, so yeah. I'd love Football to have freedom of city. game, man. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? On, on the um, the Judas shouts here, yeah, you know what, like the placards that everyone holds up with Judas on it? One mm. of the most creative ones here was a Tottenham fan put up John 13, 27. And this is the Bible reference, yeah. When that Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't even put the reference in there. He just man just put the John thirteen twenty seven, bruv. Yeah, that's bad. I love that. I love that. <laughs> as he Ju- took that bread. <laughs> as Judas always been like used metaphorically as, the, as like the betrayer. Oh, yeah, always. Well, well yeah. I mean, that, I mean like for centuries. I wonder if there was someone before him that they used to mention. <laughs> well, well, maybe. Been, you know, like or now, like he's the most evil person ever. That's a big question. No, but there's usually one guy that like people say a lot. No, but Judas it was people more say Hitler. Hitler, Hitler, Hitler. No, no, yeah. no, but it's so more, I wonder it's what, what do people say before Hitler? I wonder. Yeah, it's more the snakery element though with Judas. Yeah, mm. Judas is That's like the right, yeah. b- b- the betrayal. Like, mm. yeah, cool. Um, <laughs> so next, oh, it's me. So, yeah, it's me. So it's August the thirty first, two thousand and six. Summer's ending. Carnival's probably just happened. A lot of whining going on, done now. A lot of Caribbean music, a lot of jerk chicken. However, away from West London, on East London, um, a club going by the name of West Ham United have called a press conference. And people have arrived to see these two 22-year-old Argentinian players, um, fresh from the World Cup, where they were seen as like some of the hottest prospects in world football at the time, called in a loft, uh, claret and blue t-shirts to indicate they're signed for West Ham United. And like, everyone's shocked. Like even even fucking even the, I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but even Tevez and Mascherano look a bit like like raw. Like it's part it's part you as well. And Alibardi, it's so it looks out of place. You know what I mean? It's a weird photo. Um, taking it back a sec, actually, I forgot to do this. August thirty first, two thousand six. Anyone knows what was number one? Genre. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think I might get this. You know, God, you always say this though. <laughs> Sean Kingston. Nah, nah. You that that the way you started that I thought it was going to be correct. This woman is oh, this makes it so bait though. She's like Beyonce. Nah, but that's again that's not that far off because she's got a song with Beyonce. Shakira. Oh Shakira, yeah, Shakira. Yeah, yeah. What song? Hips. Yeah, hips don't lie. Hips don't lie. Yeah, I got there in the end. You know what I mean? Uh, back to the football. So yeah, so obviously. Tevez, Mascherano, Pardew, you've seen the photos, all looks out of place. Even the players look very surprised. So this is where it gets a bit interesting. So Tevez and Mascherano, I think, had technically joined West Ham from a Brazilian club, Corinthians. Um, but what most people didn't realise at the time is that there was actually a third party involved. And at this point in time, well, still to this day, you're not allowed to buy players um, if there's third party ownership. And it was our favourite agent, Kia. Jirabchin. Yeah, I can never pronounce Is that how you pronounce his name yeah, right? Yeah, Jirabchin. Yeah. Um, he was actually the head, like, honcho of this sports investment fund. And this investment fund had, like, a controlling stake 
in Corinthians and also had a stake in all those players. So therefore, they had a stake in Tevez and Mascherano. Yeah, the and company was Media Sports Investment. Media Sports Investment. And I, you know what? Even to this day, I don't think it's actually clear cut specifically how much was paid by West Ham and, yeah, and no, to which not. parties the monies went to. It still hasn't been properly revealed. Um, All we know is it's dodgy as fuck. It's very like dodgy. You, could just, you could just look at You can see it a million miles away. Something has gone dodgy as fuck there and someone's made a load of money off it. Even dodgy was... So that, that, that investment company, uh, Media Sports Investment, they actually tried to buy West Ham. <laughs> um, in the year, the year before but it was a failed bid I can't remember the specific reason and I think Kia actually he might have been involved in the bid and tried to step aside um, so it's, it's just a load of dodginess basically um, and then nine months later after the bid fails West Ham end up with these two players from that same fund so the actual signing itself Mascherano he wasn't really a success there he only made about six or seven appearances Alan Pardew so uh, Pardiola played Pardiola. fucking yeah. Hayden, Hayden Mullins, Mullins yeah. the head of Mascherano how can you have Mascherano and Tevez <laughs> and you're not getting the best out of him I don't think Tevez was starting much. and Tevez didn't even score for, yeah, he didn't for, score for half the season I think it was a game against much. Spurs wasn't yeah, it when yeah, he scored yeah, a free yeah, kick yeah. Yeah. so weird how I remember that so vividly he jumped in the crowd didn't he yeah, yeah he went yeah. mad he went mad yeah. and I think they lost yeah Spurs <laughs> lost. Uh, so I, I remember saying Spurs fourth? scored in the last minute 3-2 yeah. I think I think it was 4-3 yeah, that was a classic if only I can remember other aspects in life the same way I remember ball do you know what I mean all my revision I'll be in Oxford um um, yeah, so Mascherano actually left in January. So Tevez hadn't even scored by the time Mascherano left. So Mascherano left quite quickly and went to Liverpool. Mm. Um, but obviously Tevez stayed and Pardiola left uh, middle of the season because West Ham were doing so badly. And then came Alan Kerbishley. Kerbs. But Tevez still wasn't scoring immediately. And as we said, he scored that. He scored his first goal in that game against um, Spurs. Where they lost 4-3. But after that, that kind of gave him the impetus to quite score some uh, to score some more. And West Ham was struggling up until that point, and he basically one-handedly saved them from relegation um, that season. And then that all culminated in the last game of the season, where they had to go to Old Trafford and they had to win, and obviously rely on other results as well. And they were the champions, Man United. And Man United were the champions already, yeah. And then Probably lucky for West Ham, they're taking, they're chilling out. To, to they're they're, they're, they're all on the piss at that yeah. point. Well, that 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 was up for debate because I think there's there's specific rules um, in the Premier League about playing all your games in a sporting manner or, or you have to like I think retain Fergie, integrity Fergie did play like a strong side though strong-ish team yeah. but, he, but he did rest some players yeah it, but yeah. it's but, it, but, but the, and that was the, you know there's there's a difference between going right we can't be arsed we're going to play all the kids mm. and if you're I don't uh, know how you'd but, ever but prove if that you're, if you're fucking skulls or gigs and you've gone actually we've already won the league so I'm going to have a few beers like at the week you're not going to play with the same yeah, I'm sure you could do it and, and you got to give West Ham some credit like that you got to think it's not just all about Man United West Ham were actually playing for their fucking lives yeah, so that yeah, was a yeah, massive yeah. game yeah. for them and then yeah it was at Old Trafford as well and obviously Tevez got, gets the goal um, and that's the goal that saves them from, from relegation and ultimately sends their, their big relegation rival Sheffield <laughs> United <laughs> down to the championship shout out Robin Hawkins shout, shout him out come on the pod we, we, we just yeah, want to talk come outside come outside we just want to talk so well, Sheffield United they, they went ramping they, they decided it wasn't enough for them to go down like everything was fucked up and like the FA had basically given West Ham a pass um, on the whole dodgy transfers that they made so West Ham sorry Sheffield United took West Ham to court and ultimately, West Ham were actually found guilty of um, acting 
um, not in accordance with the transfer rules at the time. And then they got that fine, which was, I can't remember, specific, it was like five million quid. No, it was like 27. Of which they ended up paying five. Yeah. I, think, I think they got fined about 30 million but, and then only ended up paying five. Yeah. Did, did they have to give any money to Sheffield United? Yeah, it was two Sheffield. Two oh, Sheffield. It, was yeah, it was compensation. For, I think how the they damages, actually did it yeah. was it was compensation for the parachute payments or the the the, the, oh, the, t- the TV rights. That's how they actually... You know, loss of earnings, how they, they made the case in court, I believe. Okay. Yeah, and then obviously Tevez, even, but yeah, so Tevez saves West Ham for relegation, but even the way he left West Ham was weird as well. Even actually, even before joining West Ham, apparently he refused to pay for a Corinthians. Like at the end, he was just like, I'm not playing, I want to leave. Mm. Left West Ham. Even the way he leaves West Ham, there's still more dodgy ownership there and who gets to sign him. So there was a lot of debate there before he went to Man United. But I feel like this isn't the last we'll hear of Tevez um, on this pod. So I'll I'll move on to another controversial signing that occurred in this same window. Um, I'm kind of hoping that we gloss over pretty quickly. Yeah, we gloss over. This is my favourite one. All right, this 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 one is this is a double. I'll give you two for the price of one. This is uh, Ashley Cole and William Gallas, Champions League winner, best left back in history. Never heard of him. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. So this this is Ashley Cole and William Gallas, who, to be fair to the pair of them, had both been so 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 they they ended up moving in pretty much a swap deal plus a bit of change from Chelsea plus five million. Um, Cole went to Chelsea and Gallas went to Arsenal in the summer of two thousand and six, um, and it all went a bit sour. But to be fair to both players, they were at, they were great servants for for their clubs up to that point. Cole had won a couple of uh, league titles at Arsenal. He'd won the FA Cup three times. Uh, Gallas had won the league twice at Chelsea. And from both sides, things just really... It went, they went really sour. So, um, well, Why did Gallas get sour at Chelsea? Uh, I will... Well, I'll talk, let me talk through Cole first. Then I'll come, then I'll come to... Then I'll come to you all know about Cole, though. Then I'll come to Billy Gallas. <laughs> I, I can start with Gallas if you want. Let's start with Cole. Let's start, get, let's, get, let's start get, with Cole. All right. So... As I said, he, he's he's had a really successful seven years at Arsenal, winning the league twice in the FA Cup three times. He's probably the best left back in the world at this point. Maybe battling out with Roberto Carlos. You know, this guy, this guy is, is business. Do you know what I mean? Um, and it, it he's in contract talks with Arsenal, right? And and these contract talks seem to just break down. A lot of it seems like it's over over money. So this has come out later on, um, and he's been quoted infamously as saying that he was trembling with anger when he was offered fifty five grand a week. Um, and then it, and then at this point, Cole's it's a lot of money. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But he was trembling with anger. That's what they're saying, right? Um, and then some some sort of under the radar hush hush sort of business seems to be happening probably somewhere half between um being in being in the woods with Wenger and uh and writing up legal contracts with Real Madrid presidential candidates um but he's reported in the press of having secret meetings with Marie, Jose Mourinho obviously Chelsea manager at the time and Peter Kenyon who was chief exec at Chelsea um and this all comes out in the wash in the press uh Ashley Cole's fine 75 grand um, his agents fined 100 grand and he's actually banned from practicing for 18 months. Mourinho has fined 200 grand and Chelsea are fined as well, 300 grand. Um, Cole, so this this is this is all in the summer leading up to, to, to 2005. Uh, Ashley Cole ends up signing actually um, a one-year extension 
um, at Arsenal, but there's still all these rumblings that, that Chelsea are interested. Um, and it all comes to a head uh, in in the, trans- the summer of 2006. Um, Chelsea uh, are making a bid, apparently, of 16 million. Arsenal holding out for 25. Um, and what ends up happening is... Um, Agreements reached because Gallas wants to go the other way. So it's basically Cole, sorry, Gallas plus five million for Cole is how it works out. Um, but talking later in the day um, with with him getting fined and all this tapping up stuff that comes out in the press, Cole says he's been fed to the Sharks by Arsenal and that he's been made a scapegoat for the fact that he's met with Chelsea. That, that, fake that, news. That's, that's that's what he really said. Fake news. That's what he, that's what he I, said. Actually, Cole, yeah, is a liar. Do you know why? Yeah, because <laughs> it's actually come out in the in the wash that the reason that the contract. Uh, negotiations broke down is because Ashley Cole's agent was asking for 750 bags over the course of the five-year contract that he was going to sign with Arsenal. And the reason why Arsenal didn't want to pay it is because Ashley Cole was an academy graduate who joined Arsenal prior to him having an agent. So why would Arsenal pay him any money whatsoever when he's had absolutely nothing to do with the negotiations? What with, with the... Ne- with the negotiations, what's you know, like if, if if we bought Ashley Cole from Crystal Palace, like the agent would have been involved in it, yeah, and we would yeah. have had to go through him to go and sign the player. So it's like fair so, enough. So fair enough. You've brought piece. him to us, but he didn't do anything, and now he's asking for seven hundred and fifty bags. So Arsenal are like, fuck off. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But anyway, continue. Let <laughs> <laughs> no, me talk about the JT thing as well. Right. So, so it comes through. Um, obviously, Ashley Cole ends up signing for Chelsea. He's been extremely successful. Uh, winning trophies left, right. <laughs> I'm falling asleep. Winning <laughs> trophies left, right, and centre. He won more. He won more at Arsenal, didn't he? Le- league titles. He, he won. He won. He won two league titles at Arsenal. One at Chelsea, but he did win. The, he did win the cup with big ears at Chelsea. So, you know, make what you want of that. He won. If and he, he played better in 2006, we would have won it. So that's his fault, anyway. Not, not that you're bitter or anything. <laughs> I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter at all. Uh, but yeah, famously, the, go- the Gooners came down to Stamford Bridge in 2006 with their £20 notes. Yeah, yeah, cashly, cashly. Which is quite funny, to be fair. Um, good, good, you could see him celebrate after Essie and slap that one in the bin. But um, anyway. Are we done? We, no, no, no. I'm going to talk about the other half of the transfer now. Which is Galas, and this and this is quite funny. This isn't yeah. even that enjoyable, given but, how his career. No, no, no. I, I, <laughs> so I think this is funny. So, so William Galas, right? So, uh, who is probably the, the mercenary of all mercenaries? Who went from Chelsea to Arsenal to Tottenham consecutively? No, no break. I, I don't know back anybody who's back been. To this this guy makes Judas looks like. You know the most loyal. This guy makes Judas. What's that guy from Prison Break? Sucre. This, yeah, this Sucre. guy. This guy makes Judas look as loyal as Sucre. <laughs> this guy's got Chelsea to Arsenal to West Ham, um, and he, he, William Gallas was a great, a great player for Chelsea. A great servant um, to the club before Bramovich played under Ranieri, to coming in and playing under Mourinho. Um, but how this all started? Apparently, he's he's being forced out to play left back. So. Obviously, John Terry's playing in the middle with with uh, Carvalho, yeah. um, and Gallas is playing out on the left, and he's got the hump of it apparently because he's um, he's a centre back by trade. But you got to say to this argument, um, it's a little bit of a tough one to make when <clears throat> the pairing of Terry and Carvalho has conceded fifteen goals in a whole season, mm. and Gallas has got the hump. So he said, "Look, I want to be playing in the middle," and he's he's kicked off. He's gone sort of here and there. Um, he ends up asking to leave. 
Um, saying he's going to score own goals and that. And, th- and, yeah, and, th- and this is what it came out. So, so it was is only... That true? Up, it, was, it was Right, it was after... The, well, that is what Chelsea say. That's not rumours around here and there on Twitter. That Chelsea have, have said that quite strongly. Mm. Um, and, it, and it was quite a... Well, it was a very strongly worded statement from the club for, for, for Chelsea to come out and say, you know, right, because a lot of the Chelsea fans weren't happy that Gallas had gone um, and come out and address the situation. They've said, right, Chelsea have... Gallas said, "If you don't let me leave, I'm literally I'm gonna I'm gonna come on. I'm gonna." Uh, it, 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 apparently, he, he said he was refusing to play in the FA Cup semi-final against Liverpool uh, when John Terry was injured. Yeah. Um, and he said, "If you play me, I'll get sent off and I'll score an own goal. <laughs> I'll, I don't care. I'll <laughs> smash. It. I'll smash it in my own net." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is an unbelievable thing to say. Yeah. He, to say literally, I'll smash it in my own net. So yeah, you know, he he, he obviously um, he really had the arsehole. Um, but but you know, obviously the the situation came about. Arsenal were interested. He went there, put his hair in a mohawk, got the number ten shirt on his back, and started crying. Yeah, in yeah I knew you were gonna mention that. So that's how that one went. So, but yeah, that was a really interesting and drawn out transfer saga. And and yeah, it, it didn't even go through. I think in two thousand and six until an hour after the deadline. So it was one of those where you know, like you're refreshing teletext to to see if it's going to happen. Yeah, them ones. So yeah. So, yeah, on to me then. I've got another transfer, surprise, surprise, involving Chelsea. And it involves a young Nigerian at the time. He goes by the name of John Obi Mikel. Apparently, his name <laughs> isn't John Obi, His real name isn't John Obi Mikel. It's John Obi Michael. But not the Nigerian Football Federation, I don't know why it's always fucking Africans. <laughs> it's so jarring. <laughs> they misspelled his name when they like went to a youth cup. And they put they changed Michael to Mikel, and he's oh, just like that's my stuck. name from the air. Yeah, yeah, I've heard. I, I think I think it was a comment. It was a commentary or something because you know, like when like when yeah. commentators just overly try and foreignize names, they could say, yeah. "Oh, Mikkel Balak," because they yeah, said John yeah. John Mikkel Obi, like Obina or whatever it is. So, and he's gone. Yeah, that 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 works for me. Yeah, so he was seen as a real hot prospect um, from Nigeria, and he was part. There's like a famous like. Pepsi Academy, they might have rebranded it now. There's a famous academy in Nigeria at the time, Pepsi Academy, and a Norwegian club called Lin picked up John Obi Mikel. And he was doing really well at a young age. And Nigeria went to the Youth World Cup um, and they got to the finals and lost to Argentina. And this was a really good Argentina side. Messi and Aguero might have been there. Uh, they were scored. But John Obin Mikel won the silver ball, which was like the second best player at the tournament. So seen as a real big deal. And he was a goal scorer at this point in time, which I always tell people. <laughs> John Obin Mikel, yeah, yeah. He, he was attacking mid and used to score goals. He's like a great all-round attacking player. And then, so this was 2005 when this Youth World Cup um, happened. And in April 2005, Man United actually announced that they'd signed John Obin Mikel on like a pre-contract agreement. And he'd joined them in January 2006. So everything at this point sounds good. I think Mikel even takes like a photo in some, it's like a hastily um, arranged press conference. And if you watch the videos now, he does look a bit, <laughs> looks a bit like un- slightly uncomfortable. He looks mm. a bit like, but you can't tell. You think oh, he just looks a bit in awe. Like you can't believe he's done this big move to Man United. He doesn't really know where his emotions are. But obviously <laughs> when you realise what the backstory is, you kind of think, oh, okay, something, something weird was going on here. So apparently what happened was is John Obi John Obi Mikel's agents were bypassed um and the club basically went to Mikel himself again bypassed the agents and kind of persuaded him as a youngster then he might have been 17 years old mm. um to sign a four year contract with Man United without any representation 
um, which I don't know if it's slightly if it was legal at the time, but it was definitely not in good faith. So it's like bad yeah, contract yeah. law. Um, and the club Lynn they sent a fax apparently to his agents who were based abroad, claiming that their services were no longer required by John Obi Mikel. So they've sent that on Mikel's behalf without him apparently knowing. And then. As I said, Mikel had this press conference. He, at the time, he expressed he was delighted, but again, it was it, when you look back on it, it was seen as quite booky. What happened next is where it gets interesting. So Chelsea later um, announced that they'd actually already had an agreement with John Obi Mikel to sign him, and obviously, people didn't really take this particularly seriously. But apparently, Chelsea had actually arranged his initial move to Norway with the aim of signing him afterwards. Mm. And again, this was disputed. Um, but apparently he'd actually trained with the first team squad back in 2004, so a year before, and that kind of supported Chelsea's claim. And then, so Mikel was obviously just like, no one really knows what's going on. He doesn't really seem to know what's going on. He's blaming the club and saying they've gone behind his back and pushed aside his agents. His agents are claiming, yeah, that's what happened. He's supposed to join Chelsea. So it's all madness. And then I think afterwards, they had to, in Norway, Mikel had to like, be transported to a hotel at one point because like, apparently it was, it was unsafe because he was just he was talking too much and apparently he was getting like threatening phone calls oh, from like people involved with United apparently saying <laughs> so, you need to shut up he's joining my United and then his Norwegian club have a cup game and he's not even involved he's watching from the stands but then he apparently disappears and no one knows where he is and there's like there's mass media coverage there's, like <laughs> the police are involved in everything and a few days later it turns out he's in some London hotel and he speaks to Sky Sports News to say again, I haven't been kidnapped. That's everyone thinks he's been kidnapped by Man, Man United. <laughs> I haven't been kidnapped. Um, I, I just, I can't stay there. I'm here because I'm supposed to be doing in Chelsea. <laughs> like, this is what's happening. And uh, this kidnapping claim wasn't like a minor thing. Like, Man United, Carlos Quirrell was actually saying Chelsea kidnapped him. <laughs> he was blaming Chelsea. Do, do you know the That's crazy mad. thing as well? Yeah. He, I think his dad got kidnapped at the African Nations. Afterwards, or around like, that time? No, 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 no. Like, like years later, yeah, like yeah, ten, yeah, like ten yeah, years yeah, later, yeah. his dad like literally not like little thing, yeah, like got actually kidnapped, like million pound ransom and and all this shit, like like yeah. proper. So this guy had been having dramas, a lot of dramas, and then yeah, so because of all of this shit, uh, <laughs> so eventually FIFA get involved basically, and FIFA initially dismissed the claims against. Um, so initially, Man United brought a claim against Chelsea to say, like, what the fuck are they playing at? <laughs> and FIFA dismissed it initially. And FIFA were trying to decide, obviously it takes a lot of time, like, where should this guy go? And it gets past the date of January 2006. And at that point in time, FIFA are still saying, well, you need to remain at your club in Norway until we, we figure out, like, what the hell is supposed to happen, whether or not your contract that you signed with Man United should be upheld. And then he returns to his Norwegian club, um, starts training with them, playing with them. And then rather than leaving it to FIFA uh, or, or UEFA, yeah, it was FIFA at the time, basically Chelsea decided to basically reach an out-of-court settlement with Man United and the Norwegian club Lynn. So in the end, Chelsea pay, I think it's like 12 million to United and 4 million to the Norwegian club. Quite a lot of money in them. Quite a lot of money. For a young player, unproven as well. And then it's all settled out of court. And then, yeah, Man United agreed to terminate that contract that they apparently had with Mikel. Uh, he goes to Chelsea, wins every honour um, that he could possibly win in Bra club football. Um, but kind of a weird career, John Obi Mikel. I don't know if he was... I, I, I can't tell how good of a player he actually I, I, was. I think he's so underrated. You, re you reckon? Yeah, I, genuinely I do, yeah. 
So underrated. He spoke about that recently. He's, he's come out recently and he said, Makalele told me playing in this position, people won't rate me. I'm doing things for everyone else. But I thought I was yeah, going to be Kenny Griffin. Well, you look he ain't no Makalele, bro. No, he ain't no, 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 no one's a Makalele. You know, to talk about players like Kante, right? Makalele, they, they come along once in a generation, but without digressing too much, yeah. you look at play, look at Lampard scoring 200 goals at Chelsea... Would he have done that without players like Mikel playing alongside him? Severely oh, underrated chill, player. Chill, 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 chill. Baller. <laughs> Baller. All right. Last but not least, we go back to you, Darnell, to talk about a player that we've already spent a little bit of time discussing earlier. Cool. So, yeah, Carlos Tevez, controversial circumstances again. Uh, at the heart of the deal was uh, Kia Chirabchian. His company, Media Sports Investment, still owned Carlos Tevez, despite the fact that he was playing for Man United. So, I think what happened was um, Man United were... <laughs> I think they were thinking about signing him from from this company, but it, it never quite transpired. It never quite happened. Uh, Tevez felt that United hadn't done enough to keep him at the club. I think Man United had an option to sign him for twenty five and a half million, and City actually had to pay forty eight million. So Tevez was so fired up by this that one one of his goal celebrations, which ironically was against Man City, he ran down the pitch and cupped his ears to to David Gill um, in the director's <laughs> box. <laughs> Uh, this so guy's this guy's a bit of a cunt, wasn't he? I love, I love, I actually he rate is, him in, 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 a, in a way. And and Fergie kind of said like the, the kind of reasons that he might not have signed him. He said I I, I didn't have a problem with uh, Carlos's, but I did with his advisor Kia Jarepchian. Uh I always felt he was engineering a move for Tevez, and as a result, never had the feeling, uh, never had the feeling that he he was a player that belonged to Man United. It was just it just seemed like we were renting him until Jarepchian could cut a better deal elsewhere. Gary Neville also kind of says that he wasn't really training properly, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Quite inspired commentary from from Fergie saying, I just felt like we never really owned him, we were renting him. Yeah, the guy was on loan. It's kind of dumb, really. And um, yeah, so Man City obviously take full advantage of this situation, make sure that they sign Carlos Tevez and then they put that massive blue sign, welcome <laughs> to Manchester, which is kind of a bit of a play on like, the fact that Man United are sort of, uh, they've got a Stratford postcode. Uh, mm. they're, they're, they're from Trafford, not not actually like Manchester. Oh, yeah. Um, all of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and then, yeah, Teva says that I spent two years on loan at Man United and Ferguson in the last year tells me that they will, they will buy the rights for me to stay. We reached the Champions League final in Rome and I had no contract on the table, although I'd heard about it for a year. Then I went to City and they complained, but I had no choice to sign for Man United. I was a free. I was free, sorry. And obviously, Tevez becomes a massive success at Man, uh, Man City. Absolutely. You know, yeah. he wins like the, the FA Cup, the league. And this is like 35 years of, Ma of Man City winning absolutely like nothing. Mm -hmm. And then um, he actually captains Man City the day that they win their first trophy in, in 35 years. And, Romantic. Um, I know, I know. And, it, and in that semi-final of that FA Cup before... <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> they, they actually knocked Man United out of the cup. And then obviously, he's um, gone on to win the league at the ha like Pip Man United on goal difference, mm. thanks to some of his goals. I remember there was a there was a great performance at, at Norwich. Yeah, in, and he did refuse season. to come on, didn't he? Yeah, he did Under refuse Mancini. to come on. <laughs> I mean, I could go into like his <laughs> antics after that. This could, we could do a whole pod on this guy, honestly. <laughs> he, could, yeah, he, he, went, he went to Argentina for six months and was fucking caddying, wasn't he? Yeah, but yeah. some of his highlights, yeah, well, I think his biggest highlight was um, on the open top bus parade, him lifting up a placard that said R.I.P. Fergie. <laughs> Jeez, man. <laughs> what an absolute nutcase. But that, that was hilarious. That is mad disrespect. And, but, and you feel like Fergie ain't really done that much, really. Nah, he hasn't really. Not really. Like, probably, you know, the guys... And, and, and I think um, City, 
Man United were incensed by by the, the whole situation, and um, Fergie responded, calling them a small club with a small mentality. And then he said, all they can do is talk about Man United, and yeah. But it was it was an interesting, it was an interesting transfer, and <laughs> Carlos Tevez was definitely the winner from that situation. That's a very good note to end on. Because we're about to get kicked out of the room. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for listening. Peace. On to the Stay next one. Stay naughty. Peace. Stay naughty.